It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watch it. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, along with James Rapine. Quick reminder for those of you that are new to the show, you can follow James and I on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL at James Rapine, and make sure you follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals because that is where we take our mailbag questions, and tomorrow will be the next time we do a Locked On Bengals mailbag. That's right, on Tuesday, October 20th, we'll be taking your questions. So make sure you get them sent to that Locked On Bengals Twitter account when we put the request out for questions on Tuesday. Today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about the report from Tyler Dragon about Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap's use in this current Bengals defense, as it seems to be a little bit of that roster churn, a little bit of veterans phasing out, perhaps, and a lot of drama that's going along with it. That's where we're going to start today. We're going to get into some of the larger discussions around coaching, competency, and what fans are looking for from this staff as the calls to fire Zach Taylor are starting to get louder on social media. James, let's get started today by talking about the apparent unrest in the Bengals' defensive locker room, which Josh Bynes was asked about today on the podium, and he kind of sidestepped the questions for the most part, didn't really address the elephant in the room, but Carlos Dunlap went live on Instagram at 7 p.m. Eastern time on Monday night. Geno Atkins not known for making a lot of noise, but Tyler Dragon's sources indicate that both players are unhappy with their role in this offense right now. And there are other players, and not a small number necessarily, that are questioning why these guys, who just last year were still the best players on this Bengals defense, aren't on the field more. And it's a fair question. And it's one that this Bengals coaching staff needs to needs to certainly answer and I'll tell you Jake I asked about Geno Atkins because to me that was a, a huge huge expectation going into to this week going against the Colts he had already played a week and the coaching staff still using the well it's just the second game back from that sh- shoulder injury and he only played 30 percent of the defensive snaps he was on the field for 19 snaps again which is the exact same number that he was on the field for against the Ravens so we'll see if his role does expand i think it should i think it should have expanded anyways even if he wasn't entirely you know in shape the fact that he only played 19 snaps in a game like that where you couldn't get pressure on rivers sort of ridiculous so i would understand if there's frustration there not sure if that's the case or if gino's just not ready for more snaps and as for dunlap we know it we know he's frustrated you're you're right he admitted it on instagram 
and he should be. But hopefully it motivates him, and that's the worry here. Is it seems like the way the Bengals go about these things, it doesn't motivate the the player that they're benching or demoting, right? I mean, was Andy Dalton? Think back to last year. Was Andy Dalton motivated, or was he mad and upset and bothered when he got benched, and how he found out on his birthday, I think, that he got benched for Ryan Finley, right? I mean, that was just an awkward, weird time, and uh, in this appears to be the same way. Look, breakups are hard. There's no real good way to do it, and there's no real good way to slowly ease a veteran into that next phase of their career but it does feel like that that the Bengals could do this in a better way and and because you see this report and you have Carlos go on Instagram live and there is drama around that even though he didn't say anything on the live really there's drama around that and I feel like there's ways this coaching staff could kind of alleviate that and they haven't and I think a big part of that is because they're one four and one right if they were four and two or three and three even Carlos Dunlap probably isn't complaining as much about his role. Yeah, that's the line from the coaches is that we're doing what's best for the team. That's what Luana Rumo said. That's what Tyler Dragon's report said is that in the interest of the team, Gino Atkins and Carlos Dunlap, you guys are going to have lesser roles. And last year, everyone acknowledges that Gino played too much. He wasn't as good as he was in the past, but he was still one of, if not the best players on the defense. And the other guy that was in the competition for that title last year was Carlos Dunlap, whose second half of the year was literally one of, if not the best performances by any edge player in the NFL in the last eight games of the season. So when you have a guy that was a pro bowler last year, has a history that Geno Atkins has, you have a guy that has a history that Carlos Dunlap has, and you have on the other side guys that have the history that Zach Taylor and Lou Anarumo have. And you're talking about coaches spending in, in politics, you call it political capital, you call it whatever you want, spending their equity that they don't have and, and saying, spending their credibility that they don't have and saying that this is what's best for the team. And then you're not getting results. You're not getting a pass rush against given a good offensive line. But everyone's like, yeah, but look at how immobile Phillip Rivers is. The pass rush against the Colts, very poor. And when you're saying that you're doing what's best for the team and sitting your long-term veterans that have been a very good present, that have been very good players on the team for a very long time, and you're not winning the games and the, and the unit that you've replaced them on is not performing at a high level, that invites scrutiny. And that's why the Bengals coaches are currently dealing with this sort of fallout. And the crazy part is, is we're all sitting there scratching our head, wondering where Carlos Dunlap is, right? And, wondering why Geno Atkins isn't on the field more and wondering how in the hell this Bengals team is going to recover after blowing a 21-point lead. And obviously they didn't. And I thought that this was interesting because we're talking to Lou Anarumo, and one of the guys that got significant playing time was Amani Bledsoe. And he he was asked about about Amani Bledsoe, who's a defensive end slash tackle. You know, he's played both, uh, but listed as an end. And it was, uh, he said, quote, he's stout in the run game. He's hard to move, buff. Gives good effort, young player. That's what I like about him. Well, what's the knock on Carlos? Not stout in the run game, doesn't give good effort, kind of an older player. And the Bengals coaches appear to not like him, right? Not as a player. And and so I I thought that that was really interesting because the way Luana Rumo said it, it was like traits. He's stout in the run game, hard to move, buff, gives good effort. And it's just like, whoa. And I heard that and it stood out to me. And here's the problem with that. It sounds good. 
right? Like Zach Taylor talks culture and they, they want to build this and they want to have their guys and all that. It, it sounds really good. The, the problem is this isn't a college program where you get 72 years to build your culture. Like this coaching staff, that was an embarrassing loss. And if that meant unleashing 96, and if that meant putting Geno Atkins out there, who again was active for a couple more snaps on big plays, well, then you should have probably done it because losses like that at the end of the year can cost you your job. And that's what I'm confused about with this coaching staff because they're 1 4 and 1. They're 0 16 and 1, at least most of the coaches, uh, or not 0 16, but close to 0 16 and 1. They haven't won a road game since since coming to Cincinnati. They need to figure it out and win. All this other stuff might not matter at all if they don't win enough games this year. And, and that's the part that stands out to me. I just, like, what what are you watching? Did, did Luan Rumo forget what happened last year when Carlos Dunlap was his best player? That's what's really confusing to me. Like, I, I get that there are some issues this year. You want him to do different things maybe than, than what his skill set is. But this is a problem that you see all over the NFL. You see, and, and, and certainly in Cincinnati right now, you see coaches trying to fit players to, to their scheme because their scheme can't be wrong. The concepts in their head are great. And if the players can't do it, then the players are wrong. Instead of doing what you see really successful organizations do, which is, is use players to their strengths. And to the Bengals' credit, they do this a little bit on offense. Or they try to, at least. But consistently, this Bengals coaching staff, Luana Rumo now, Jim Turner before, staking their credibility, maybe their careers, on... Christian Covington, Imani Bledsoe, Bobby Hart, Alex Redmond. I mean, you you name it. They're they're picking guys to stake their careers on that I certainly wouldn't feel comfortable picking those guys. Like if, if I'm if I'm risking my career for something, I'm gonna go with the two Pro Bowlers. And if they don't work out, well, you know, at least at least I tried the guys that had the best track record. We have a lot more to talk about with this coaching staff, James, and the outlook may be bleak. It may not be bleak, but let's spend some more time talking about these coaches coming up next. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, keep a close eye on Joe Burrow's development, Jesse Bates' breakout year, and Pepsi will be the refreshment to power you through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These are the passionate fans that are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football. Watch it. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Jake, let's keep things going with this coaching staff. And look, you you talk about culture and and foundation and the Bengals need to lay all of that. And they, to me, the biggest thing that Zach Taylor needs to do is show 
that he's the man to get the most out of Joe Burrow, to maximize Joe Burrow long term. And I think that's a no-brainer, right? Everyone would agree with that. No one would disagree. But there is a a minimum to this, right? He can't go one fifteen and one or one fourteen and one and keep his job. He can't. Uh, to me, he can't go two thirteen and one and keep his job. And, and so, what what is the minimum for you? Because obviously, we need to see, and I think the Bengals need to see that he can at least potentially get the most out of Joe Burrow. See flashes of that, that the two pair well together. You're not going to see maximize that yet, but see that they're, they could be uh, the yin and the yang and be the perfect one-two combo. The same way you saw with Sean McVay and Jared Goff in the in Los Angeles with the Rams. So with that said, they need to win games. W- what's the number at for you this season? Uh, because it certainly can't be one. I think the thing is is less a number and more like complete games. Like you said, you need to see flashes. We saw a flash at the beginning of the Colts game. I need to see more than flashes. You know what I mean? Like I need to see complete games start to end. Give me a dominant offensive performance. Like don't don't score 30 points in a roundabout way. Don't, you know, score 30 points when you're down the whole game and effectively the entire second half is garbage time. I'm talking about the Colts game or the uh, Browns game. And, and don't score 27 points when you get 21 of those in the first quarter of the game. I, I want to see an, a wire-to-wire performance from the offense for sure. And honestly, for, for me, the question comes down to how much is, is Zach Taylor hitched to some of the assistant coaches that he's got? Because the assistant coaches, for the most part, have been I'm not even going to say not impressive. They've been unimpressive. The opposite of impressive. Depressive. I don't even know what the word is. They, they've been, they, they've lacked inspiration and it's not all of them. I think that there's some units that, that are fine. I, I think that there's some coaches that are fine. But when you know as few people as Zach Taylor knows and you look across the entire NFL and almost everybody that gets hired is somebody that you know, then you end up hiring you know, maybe not the best candidates. Like Zach knew how many guys to, to come in and potentially be a defensive coordinator. Well, they interviewed a bunch and and they didn't get a few of them. One of them didn't drive. One of them, a couple of them decided to stay in college. And so, hey, I know Lou Anarumo. Let's get Lou Anarumo in here. Oh, hey, Jim Turner got me a job once. And, and oh, my, my offensive coordinator's dad is not getting let out of his contract in Washington. So Jim Turner is the, only, is the other offensive line coach I know. So I'm going to bring him in. So how much do those ties anchor Zach Taylor? How, much, how, how connected is he to those guys? Is there a chance that we keep Zach Taylor and move on from some of these people that are like family friends from his childhood, you know, or, or got him his first job that, that we perceive to be bringing the team down? And if not, well, then it's it's hard to separate it, right? Like if, if it's another year of Zach Taylor means another year of Jim Turner and Lou Anarumo and those respective units don't improve, then yeah, they, they need to win like six games the rest of the way for me to think that this is the right coaching staff. Because I'm open to these guys proving that they're the right coaches. But the only way you do that is if you start winning these games. And instead of saying we could be four and two, we are four and two. I agree. And that, well, that's the thing to me is, the realist in me and I get it I you know when you look at the Bengals history and they're not going to just want to cycle through coaches to me it's four like I I don't think they could be three twelve and one 
and Zach Taylor have five wins and you're like, we're going to get this right. Like, I think it's really hard for me because it goes hand in hand, right? Because there aren't the complete games and, and yeah, maybe flashes was the wrong word, but I need to be confident regardless that Zach isn't going to waste another year of Burrow, <laughs> right? Like that's how I need to feel at the end of 2020. And so for that to happen, it all ties together. The complete games you talked about in this coaching staff, they need to do that. So to me, if you're 4-12 or 4-11-1, you're like, okay, we had three or four close games that we blew, but we ended up putting together a couple complete games or, or close to it games. We got some wins. Uh, we, we had the one tie. We had some close loss. Like that's the minimum, I think, if I'm thinking of a – of a number because again I, I get it people talk about the Bengals as like this losing organization they've been two four two and fourteen twice in franchise history 2002 and 2019 so it, this idea that they're just going to accept three and thirteen that's or you're three twelve and one that's much much worse than Marvin going six and ten or eight and eight or six nine and one it's much different and, and so I, I, to me, that's where it would be. It would probably be four. I, I asked someone else that question earlier too, and they said five. So five, ten, and one. And I think five is almost optimistic right now with how they're playing and blowing these close games. Yeah, and, and again, like I said, that number for me changes if it means that it's the entire staff. Yeah, because I think that there are some clear deficiencies on the staff at this point. I'm not going to belabor it. And and they have every opportunity to prove me wrong, but doing it one game is not proving it. it. It could be that you got lucky one week. It could be that the player that made the offense go was injured. I'm obviously talking about Lou Anarumo and the Ravens right now. I need to see something sustained. And just being in close games with teams that you think are good, like maybe the Browns are a good team this year. You lost by five. You were never in that game. Maybe the Chargers are a good team. Well, Tyrod Taylor was playing. Maybe the Colts are a good team. You should have beat the Colts. Maybe the Eagles figured out they should have beat the Eagles, but they didn't. And, and that's and that's where the results have to start hitting, and they have to start hitting consistently. And and the last thing that I'm going to say here, James, about Zach Taylor and whether or not you know he, he's the guy for the future or not, is how does Joe Burrow's progression go for the rest of the year? Does mm-hmm. he continue to get better? Or do we start to see some bad habits start to creep in because of what's going on around him? And if that happens, that's just like, there's a lot of things that are unacceptable, but, you know, doing the thing that everyone in the national media said you were going to do to Joe Burrow and causing him to get worse is, is the cardinal sin for this, for this coaching staff right now. That is the one thing that they absolutely can't have. And, and I'm not saying that this is going to be an ongoing thing, but we're starting to see cracks a little bit. Uh, If you really dig in and look at every play that you're starting to see some cracks with Joe Burrow. And if that starts to get worse and more noticeable and more people than just me start to notice it, because obviously I'm, I'm scrutinizing this in a very high degree then there's some more serious problems. And, And again, I'm not saying this is like a cause for alarm yet, but it's in the next 10 games, how does Joe Burrow play? Does he continue to get better or not? That's the question. And uh, you talk about improvement and we talk about improvement with these players all the time. How does this coaching staff improve over the final 10 games? I hope Zach Taylor looks back at Sunday 
and in his play calling against the Colts and just kicks himself for some of the stuff he did specifically in the second half. And, and I don't know exactly what the intricacies of it, but he does, right? Because we know Joe Burrow's doing that. And we know, you know, AJ Green's doing that on the go ball. He did it right after the game. He said he should have caught it, right? And so those are the type of, of things that players do. And I'm hoping this coaching staff does it. I hope Jim Turner, whatever he did to get a, a decent amount out of Bobby, I hope that continues. And he finds a way to get these guards in gear or realizes that they aren't the answer, right? Because if, if this coaching staff isn't going to improve, then it isn't it. Because you know what I want? I want a, a Super Bowl, just like everybody does, right? And, and that should be the Bengals' goal. And, you know, if the Bengals are my favorite team, that should be the end goal, and that's my goal for them. Well, that doesn't happen with Zach Taylor at his current state. It is impossible. That doesn't mean it can't become possible. That doesn't mean that at all. But right now, as he's a co- at the, coaching the Bengals, he's not good enough, and they're not good enough. It, is, could he be good enough in a year or two? Maybe. I don't know. But he needs to show something this year that, that points in that direction. And it, like, for example, Doug Peterson did it in Philadelphia with Carson Wentz in 2016. They were not a good football team. But then in 2017, you, you saw, oh, they suddenly became good. And, and, you know, there were a lot of reasons for that. Frank Reich, part of that, which we saw uh, the other day. But, uh, you know, that, that's what you want to see. You want to see the steady development, the steady growth, not just from the players, but the coaches as well. We said it when the Bengals hired Zach Taylor, inexperienced coach, needs to learn, needs to develop. It's time to start seeing some of that development on a more consistent basis, I think. And the way that you prove that is by finishing some games. Coming up next, we talk about a game the Bengals didn't finish. We put a retrospective on the Colts game wrap-up week six. It's already week six. And uh, starting tomorrow... We, we turn the page. We start looking toward next week. I talk about Rock Auto all the time. If you're looking for car parts or you need to fix your car, don't spend a ton of money at those big box stores. You have to mask up. You take the risk during COVID. Avoid all that. Go to rockauto.com. They have parts for over 300 different car makers. Your car is going to be on there. And you can shop from the comfort of your own home. And you're going to save money. Rock Auto is great. I've used them. You should too. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Check them out and see what they can do for you. And the best of all, their prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Don't spend up to twice as much for the same parts. So right now, go to rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on. In their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. I work a lot. And every day when I'm working, and whether it's all Bengals or locked on Bengals, doesn't matter. Guess what happens? I hit a wall. But that doesn't mean that Bengals news stops. Whether it's signing Margus Hunt or Carlos Dunlap going live on Instagram. There are things that I need to do and I need to cover. It's part of my job. You know how I get through it? With Built Go. I break through it with Go every day. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase or your backpack. It doesn't matter. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural 
so it's better for your body. It comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and my favorite, chocolate mint. It combines energy gel with collagen protein, the protein fast absorbing so it gets into my system fast and it's easy on the stomach. So go to BuiltGo.com, use promo code LOCKED, you're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. So a lot of drama on this Monday that we're recording this podcast after the Bengals and Zach Taylor really fall to a pretty untenable mark. I mean, people pointing out the the parallels with the Shula rain in Cincinnati today, Mo Egger writing a piece on The Athletic about that. He's on a worse pace than than the younger Shula was in Cincinnati through how many games has it been? 18 games at this point. And uh, that, uh, not so good. But lost in all that is a little bit of perspective about what actually happened in the Colts game. And, and yesterday, James, we tried to end the show on a bit of a positive note talking about some things that went well. And some of that's been reaffirmed to me, now a bit separated from the game. The the tackles, both tackles, actually pass blocked pretty well. And the Colts don't have great edge players, great edge rushers. But Jonah Williams probably had one of his better to best games as a pro. Bobby Hart, I think, had a clean day in protection. He did have the one penalty, but he's only had two penalties this year. And... One of my takeaways, one of my big takeaways, one of the one of my big points that that kind of occurred to me today is, yeah, Bobby Hart is a, a real easy target, a, a common punching bag, but he is not the biggest problem on this offense right now. In fact, he's far from the biggest problem on this offense right now, which is a little bit crazy to think about, right? But their guard play, and we st- sort of started getting here last week, their guard play is so bad right now that if you have Bobby Hart level play at guard, the offensive line would be better. Oh, it would be way better. And that that's the crazy part. And that's, that's why like Xavier Suofilo coming back, why he could be, you know, a, a huge benefit. Not that he's like this tremendous player, but the fact that what you're playing with and you're playing with arguably the worst guard tandem in the NFL. And I, I don't say that lightly, and I'm not saying it for shock value. That's just the reality. And you're right. I didn't notice a lot of pressure outside. And I, I thought that they, for the most part, kept their um, held their own against the Colts. And the, the other thing I will say is for the first time, and we mentioned it a little bit on our postgame show, but really for the first time all year, they were getting push. And it felt like they came out and they were the aggressor. And it could have been the early turnover. It could have just been the mindset or, you know, whatever the case may be. But it was good to see the offensive line do that because outside of the second half against the Jags, and I say the second half specifically, they hadn't. And so while it didn't translate to huge runs for Joe Mixon or anything like that, it it kept the the offense moving in the right direction. But I I totally agree with you about Bobby Hart. He's the, the third biggest problem on the offense or on the offensive line rather you know <laughs> both guard spots and then you would say all right right tackle so that's uh that's far from their biggest issue and if he plays like that like he did Sunday against the Colts you'll take that every single day of the week I think you got it right the first time the third third biggest problem on the offense and unless you think it's maybe fourth biggest problem depending on your feelings 
about Zach Taylor this week. And I know that everyone has strong <laughs> feelings about this coaching staff right now. I, I was watching the press conference. I went back and watched it on YouTube because the Bengals put some of the press conference. I think the Zach Taylor, the Joe Burrow press conferences, they put them on YouTube every day or every week, every time they talk. And the comments were just all fire Zach, fire Zach Taylor, sack Zach. And it's just a lot. It's a, it's a lot. It's a lot right now. And, and, and something that I think that, Maybe maybe this isn't the time to talk about it. Maybe it is. He's not likely, in my opinion, to be going anywhere this year. I think that he probably bought himself a three-year leash. But, I mean, things are really starting to look really Gacy. And by, by that, I mean a- a- Adam Adam Gacy in, in Cincinnati <laughs> right now. That's good. I like that. You need to trademark that. And... People are people are people are bewildered that Adam Gase still has a job, and he's he's won more games than Zach Taylor. I mean, yeah, yeah, that, that's that's, that's true. Good. He won seven and nine last year. Seven and nine last year, he was missing his starting quarterback for a couple games, so you can't use that excuse. It's not like there's a ton of talent in New York. Uh, look, it's it's tough right now, and I said this to someone, um, a, a diehard Bengals fan, earlier today. The walls are closing in a bit, and I think Zach feels it. I could tell, and and I he should feel it, and the coaching staff should feel it because you can't lose games like that and be building the the culture that you're hoping to build, right? At some point, this needs to go from well, we're building this culture to see we're winning games as we build this culture, like the Miami yeah. Dolphins did in 2019, and that's yeah. that's kind of where I thought the Bengals were this year is. Five to seven wins, probably, you know, in, in your, you know, a bunch of what ifs, you know, either way, whether they end up with five or seven, but you feel like they're headed in the right direction. Like that was kind of the end goal. And it's hard for me to, to see this team not ending up one, six and one at the bye, which is just a nightmare considering Josh Bynes earlier today, it said it with a straight face. Hey, we think we should be four and two. The Ravens game and the Browns game, we lost both of those games, but we should have beat the Chargers. We should have beat the Eagles, and we certainly should have beat the Colts. And I don't blame them for feeling that way, but at some point, shoulda, 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 you gotta, and they haven't. That's exactly it. Like, you can make a compelling case that they should actually be 4-2 and two right now. And and the problem is, as you point out, they're not making those plays. And, and I was actually, I randomly went on a Lafayette, Louisiana radio show today. And they asked some of these questions like, what's going on? What, what, why is the record what it is? And I, I said the same thing to them that I'm going to say right now. It's not just unlucky bounces and, and bad calls. Although I'm sure somebody out there will, will message me after the show and say, oh, the refs really screwed us out of one, one of these games. I don't know which. Um, but, but it's, well, the Chargers. It'll be the Chargers game. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because of the OPI. Sure. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that it's, it's players and or coaches making mistakes in big moments. It's Billy Price whiffing in overtime. It's, it's, you know, untimely penalties. It's dropped passes. It's blown coverages. It's, you name what it is on game day. And, and that is symptomatic of, of whatever's happening organizationally. Because this is 18 weeks now, and, and you talked about this a little bit yesterday, of, of continued miscommunications in the secondary. 
continue blown coverages. I mean, every week we're we're seeing, and yesterday it was it was it was Von Bell, I think, that 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 just didn't see the communication from Lashawn Sims. I think a couple of weeks ago it was Lashawn Sims and Darius Phillips. I mean, you name it, and and every week there there's a breakdown somewhere, and and most of the disgruntled stuff that we talked about earlier in the show is coming from the defensive side of the ball. And, and while there's a lot of heat on Zach Taylor, how much she, how much heat should be on Lou Anarumo? He bought himself a lot of goodwill with that Ravens game, but that's where the unrest is. And, and that's where we see a lot of the same mistake happening over and over, I think. And he bought himself a lot of goodwill with the Ravens game. I agree, right? You look at the numbers and you think they played well and it looks good. I do wonder how hurt Lamar was and if he was just really dealing with that knee, you know, three yards, really like that's no one's ever done that to him. And now and and so now looking back, it's like, all right, well, what's the outlier? And, you know, we'll see. Who knows? Maybe he does have the blueprint and and, and that works again or maybe it doesn't. But it did work either way. The inconsistencies are maddening. And at some point. You have to look at the coaches and not just, all right, they're going to clean it up or, oh, they need more talent or, oh, they need. And I saw this in Cleveland and we all did with Hugh Jackson, right? That first year he goes one in 15 and it was personnel problems. Well, this Bengals team is much more talented than that, (laughs) than that Browns team in 16 and 17, right? But they kept losing close games and they would leave, you know, they'd have eight penalties one week and then they'd have a defensive breakdown and then they, they would lose a game or they'd miss a field goal or they would do this or they would do that. And it was just like, all right, well, yeah, Hugh has him playing hard, but that's not all that goes into it. You need to be detail oriented and you need to be able to put together a complete game as a defense, not only against the pass, but against the run. Right. Like on Sunday, they were good against the run, but they couldn't stop a pass. To, you know, they made Philip Rivers look like he was. 06 Philip Rivers when he came back against Chad Johnson and, and Carson Palmer and those guys when he was down 21 with the Chargers, right? Like it was, it looked like that guy from 14 years ago in his prime. And so that can't happen. And th- there are just so many things on offense. I mean, the Samaj P. Ryan thing looks worse the farther away I get from it. Yep. It doesn't look better. It looks no. worse. And that's coaching. That's coaching. That's Zach Taylor overthinking it, trying to be the smartest guy in the room. When you didn't need to, when you had Joe Mixon, when you have Giovanni Bernard, you're spending $16 million on those two guys this year. So use them or, or throw it. <laughs> Heck, the, the three guys that had touchdowns on Sunday, Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard, and Joe Burrow, all on the ground. But if you want to put the ball in any of their hands on third and one, I'm okay with it. And Zach Taylor didn't do that. Or you just sneak it twice and you say, if you stop me on two sure. straight QB sneaks from one yard, well... Good for you, I guess. But I didn't outthink anybody. I just, uh, you know, we we couldn't execute a QB sneak for one yard, which is one of the higher percentage plays in football, it seems like. A couple things I want to hit on, on on a positive note, try to end the show on a positive note here before we get out of here. A couple really impressive games stand out for me when I was just looking at PFF grades. Akeem Davis Gaither, I think, had his best game as a pro, was the third highest graded Bengal on defense for PFF this week, James. Pretty, pretty good showing for the rookie there. Carl Lawson continues to play really well in his contract year. William Jackson and Jesse Bates continuing to hold down the secondary. And, you know, I asked earlier last week, what's the core going forward? 
I mean, it could certainly be those four guys if Hakeem Davis Gaither wants to keep stepping up and, and keep having these nice games. And, and really for the rest of the year, that's what I'm looking for. Who are the guys that are going to stick around and be there in the future? Because it certainly seems like we're about to have some, some upheaval. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We get on to week seven. Week seven already, James. Coming up tomorrow, starting to transition to thinking about this Browns game, hopefully getting a mailbag out there to you. So make sure you follow the Lockdown Bengals Twitter account at Lockdown Bengals to get your questions in for that. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.